Welcome back to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, your place to connect with thought leaders in the wellness community who are making waves, big and small. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. The theme of our September-October issue is healing, and for this episode, meditation expert and hypnotherapist Mark Stevens joins us from Australia to talk about breaking habits for a healthier, happier lifestyle through meditation and hypnosis. Mark has been practicing meditation for over 50 years, and he came to it to help fight his childhood asthma. He's also called upon his yoga and meditation practices, along with self-hypnosis, to help cure his cancer back in the 90s. After the show, check out our bonus episode if you'd like to try a hypnotherapy session for releasing past trauma along with me. Here we go. We're here today with author, hypnotherapist, and meditation teacher Mark Stevens. Mark, hello. Good morning. Good evening, Lindsay. (laughs) <laughs> good evening good morning where who knows what time it is early who, times who, right <laughs> what, what time is it where are we <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so i'm rolling into my evening and it seems as if you were just getting up it's exactly yeah i've just done my morning qigong yoga tai chi meditation routine and my stretch routine done a short walk and now chatting to you from Australia, Wonderful. from the, the south coast of Australia, a couple of hours south of Sydney, on the top of a mountain at a place called Little Forest. That sounds beautiful. I wish I could join you there right about now. It's a great place to be, yeah. It's... Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're really excited to talk with you. Um, so you are the founder of the Mind Free app, correct? Yeah, sure. For over 30 years now, I've been recording Tai Chi, Qigong, meditations, hypnosis sessions, and we had all these different programs, Think Slim for weight loss, Think Sleep for sleeping, Think Calm for meditation. I created that program in the late 90s. So before Calm came out, I had Think Calm for many, many years, but but that's all good because uh, it's, you know, it's introducing so many people to a new way of being. And so a few years ago, we combined everything into an app. So yeah, there's more than 400 hypnosis, self-hypnosis, meditation, motivation sessions from short videos to long sessions. And, and we do all sorts of things to help people overcome their challenges, the challenges of life. We're about to uh, introduce a habit-busting session which will allow anybody, anywhere, anytime to break any habit in three minutes. And it's done hypnotically and visually so you'll be able to bring uh, a habit to mind and then in three minutes, nail-biting finished, chocolate addiction, finished, soft drink addiction, finished in three minutes and it works. I've tested it over and over and over again and uh, yeah, the, the results are amazing. So that, that's a new thing that's going on to the wow. program. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I think the there's the general understanding of it takes however many days to break a habit. Yeah. How did you well, bring well, it down to three minutes? My way of thinking was it takes 21 days to form a new habit. And I teach habit busting. I run workshops and conferences and keynote speeches on how to form new habits, how to create that daily ritual, have the reminders, whether that's a habit of thought, because we, our, our thoughts are habitual, whether that's a habit of feeling, we feel a certain way we respond, whether that's a habit of, uh, watching too much television, going down the social media rabbit hole, uh, reacting negatively, you know, these things become habitual and especially with foods, food addictions and and so I've taken people uh, live in person or in groups that have had, uh, they were drinking nothing but 10 litres or, or 20 cans of Diet Coke or Coca-Cola a day. 
or people that ate nothing but, you know, 12 family blocks of chocolate. So we're talking kilos of chocolate a day. So I deal with some of the worst addictions, food addictions. Yeah. And and also smoking. You know, people I've worked with people smoking 80 cigarettes a day. Now, if you think of that, that habit has been done hundreds of thousands or millions of times. So it's almost like it's hardwired. So people, if you're doing it consciously, uh, I think there was a a university, Harvard study, or I think pretty sure it was Harvard, came out saying it's not 21 days to break a habit, to form a new habit. It takes something like 67 days. And I looked at that and I went, holy cow, that's like too much to to form a new habit. (laughs) I do that in minutes live. And so we've worked out a way now to incorporate that into the app it's not on yet. It'll be on in wow. the next couple of weeks where people can go through a process where it basically brainwashes them, but in a positive way. So they choose what they want to stop doing. They choose what they'd like to do instead. And then they hit process and bang, the whole thing comes together with my positive suggestions, a hypnotic voice going in there, suggesting you have no desire to do the old habit anymore. You now see yourself, imagine yourself doing the new habit and so on. So, and it runs through, I mean, it's a visual thing as well as an auditory yeah. thing. So yeah. And, and I've tested it over and over and over again. And at the moment we're on a 100% strike rate with a hundred percent success of changing the habit. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And you don't have to keep going back to it like three minutes and it's one and done. Well, look, if you've got a severe chocolate addiction, three minutes and you change that to just being happy and healthy with making healthier choices, or you uh, decide you want to have an apple instead, that's fine. But if you've got multiple chocolate addictions, like let's say you have a Kit Kat chocolate addiction or a Toblerone chocolate addiction or a specific type fruit and nut chocolate addiction, you might need to do it with each one. But there's other techniques in there that are aversion therapy techniques that will take chocolate and have you thinking, yuck, I'll never eat that again. Yuck, I don't need it. I don't want it. I won't have it. And it's about planting the seed in the mind. So, so yeah, three minutes. I've had people in three minutes who've drunk nothing. One girl had drunk nothing but Coca-Cola for three years, up to 10 litres a day. And within yeah. minutes, she was begging for water. She hasn't touched a Coke since. I've worked with a lot of people. You know, one fellow, old Merv, had smoked since World War II. And he came to me, he was smoking two packets a day, he came to me about 10 years ago, and he was almost 80 years old. And so Merv hasn't touched a cigarette since, but a few years ago, I, I used to hear from Merv every anniversary of the day he stopped smoking, and he'd ring up and he'd say, oh, g'day, Mark, I just wanted to uh, let you know it's been another year, I haven't touched a cigarette. And I'd go, oh, good on you, Merv, do you ever feel like one? We had this little banter, he'd go, I'll never touch that co- cocktail of toxic poisons ever again, I just want to... Thank God for my life, Mark, and thank you for saving it. And uh, and so anyway, I didn't hear from Merv for a few years, and I'm thinking, oh, Merv must have been in his mid to late 80s. And then a couple of weeks ago, I get this call. Hi, Mark, it's Merv. I go, good on you, Merv. So I went over, <laughs> I went over and had a cup of tea with him and hung out in his garden, and he gave me some, some organic fruit, um, veggies and some oranges off his tree. So, yeah, that, that oh was great. Gosh. That was cool. Wow. So it sounds like maybe is it a – is it a mix between hypnosis and meditation or? Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I do. And, and that's what I've been doing the whole time. I've had people come in for hypnosis sessions and they say, did you just do hypnosis or meditation with me? And I go, that's right. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> that's right. And I'm going, yes, I did. They're going, so you did both? Yeah. And, and I've been doing that the whole time because my original background 
was meditation, starting as a seven, eight-year-old with chronic asthma, learning yoga, breathing, and meditation through the local hospital to help counter the asthma attacks and stress. And 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 because when you're having an asthma attack and you can't breathe, it's pretty stressful. So the yoga, breathing, and the meditation that was the late '60s. That we, we're going back a while, and I just loved it. Right. So I kept doing it, and then through school, I was able to do my yoga, breathing, and meditation to stay calm during exams. Or if there was someone, you know, being awful or bullying, I go, oh, let it go, let it go, let it go. <laughs> and so, you know, take a deep breath in and just blow it away, throw it away. And so I was learning that meditation. Then as a teenager, again, I knew nothing about hypnosis. I'd heard of it, but I thought it was dance like a chicken, sing like Elvis. You know, I only right, knew like everyone right. else, stage show hypnosis. I didn't know about hypnotherapy, but... So I was a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old right through my 20s. I trained under a variety of yoga teachers, Tibetan monks, uh, Chinese Tai Chi masters, Japanese. I went to Japan, trained in Japan under Japanese samurai masters. And so it became a combination of Tai Chi, Qigong, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Judo, and other things. But all of them involve meditation. All of them involve visualization then 30 years ago, when I started studying hypnosis, hypnotherapy seriously, I went, hey, this is a lot like guided, guided imagery and visualization. This is a lot like certain elements of meditation. So then I just thought, well, it's, just, it's natural for me to use a meditation at the start to get a person into mm -hmm. a really relaxed state and then bring in the, the hypnotic induction or the hypnotic suggestions or the visualizations and so on. So, but then also I like to sometimes weave little elements of meditation even throughout the, the hypnosis session, uh, you know, to keep a person, you know, breathing and focus. I mean, they've got to keep breathing. That's the most important thing. Just keep breathing. So with something like breaking a habit or even healing, I would still consider breaking a habit a healing element, right? Because you're kind of healing an addiction. Um, how does it work? How does the, how does your program, your three minutes, whether it's three minutes or 20 minutes, how does it work? Sure, sure. And look, with that three minute exercise, there are so many different elements that, you know, with the hypnosis sessions, especially what we use on the Mind Free app or what I'm doing in a one-on-one -on -one session or in a group session, it's always followed by hypnosis sessions to reinforce it. So I generally start with the meditation sessions to become mindful and aware and calm and relaxed. And then, depending on what the person wants to achieve, bring in the elements of the hypnosis that will best work because there's different styles of hypnosis. Just like there's so many styles of yoga, different styles of martial mm -hmm. arts, Tai Chi, dance. There's so many different, and the same with meditation. There's so many different styles of meditation. There's lots of different styles of hypnotherapy as well. So it just depends on what the person needs. And then I'll a lot of the time I just close my eyes, put myself into a meditative state into, and then start going into a deeper hypnotic trance and then just start talking or visualizing certain things that I think will help the person. And then I paint that picture in my mind's eye and have the person visualize those things. So if, if I'm helping someone improve tennis and their serve and I'll, you know, and that's what they want to do, I'll have them I'll picture in my mind someone doing a perfect serve and then I'll say to them and imagine you can see yourself doing the perfect serve and now step into your body and get the good feelings of the perfect serve and so on. So 
you know, and that's improvement, like that's a sports improvement thing. And, and hypnotherapy works with so many different things. I mean, meditation is wonderful and there's so many elements to it. Hypnotherapy is different in as much as you're focusing on a specific thing you want to achieve and you want to achieve it in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. If I had a dollar for every time somebody came to a retreat or came to me and said, I'm just not good enough, I'm not good enough, or I'm hopeless, or I'm this, I'm that, you know, there I am is stuck in an old pattern. It's stuck in something somebody else told them five years mm-hmm. ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's like a broken record that keeps playing over and over and over again. So with hypnotherapy meditation, we get them to calm down. With the hypnotherapy, we tap into where that thought began or where it's stuck on repeat in the unconscious mind and we override it or we have the person decide and choose to, I choose not to believe that. I let it go. That was yesterday. I released the past and so on. And then I am strong. I am worth it. It is possible. I can do it. And then those suggestions or whatever suggestions are needed might be repeated Mm -hmm. a number of times so that you're planting those seeds of positive thought in the garden of the mind. The Yoga Show will return in a moment after these messages. So does the meditation help open the mind and prepare it for the hypnosis? Um, Because I'm wondering, because forgive me, because I think I have a very naive understanding of hypnosis, but it's that... I had this idea that like you get hypnotized and you go some to some under place where you're almost asleep or, you know, you don't really remember it when you wake up. But with meditation, you're very um, aware and present, which almost seems like the opposite of how I understood hypnosis. Yeah, sure. No, and that's a great question. And I think a lot of people would possibly be thinking the same thing because they've seen stage show hypnosis and they see the, the hypnotist click their fingers, you know, one, two, three. They click their fingers, sleep now, and the person drops their head, and then they're talking <laughs> into their shoe phone. Oh, well, chief, this is Max. Yes, I'm surrounded by a hundred deadly chaos agents, or or they're dancing, or they're singing, or they're doing funny, silly things, which is stage show hypnosis. So that gives a lot of people the perception that when the hypnotist clicks their fingers, they go into some deep trance, and then at the end of it, they're going like, I can't really remember. It's a bit like a dream. And that's how stage show hypnosis does work, but it's entirely different to clinical mm. hypnotherapy. So that's where okay. I, yeah, that's where I like to bring in the meditation because it does have the person, rather than worrying so much about what happened yesterday and they're stressed out and they're, they're bringing into either a retreat or they're bringing into the session all the baggage, all the worries of this morning and the running around and what happened yesterday and what happened last week, last month, last year and worried about what's going to happen you know, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, next year. A lot of people are stuck in the past or in the future. So for me, the meditation helps them come back to now. It helps them come back to now and be present in the moment and to feel calm, to feel relaxed, which then allows them to be more open and more receptive to the hypnosis. So then once the hypnosis just seamlessly weaves in, and this is, I don't know how other people do it, this is the way I do it, the hypnosis seamlessly weaves into that meditation, then the person's already relaxed and they're ready to go on that journey of transformation with visualizing 
a new you. The word hypnos does come from the Greek mm-hmm. word meaning to sleep. That hypnosis okay. means to sleep, but it's not a great description because you don't want people to go to sleep. If they start to fall asleep a little bit, that's okay. But when I notice people are starting to go to sleep, I want to bring them back out of that because you don't want them snoring and dreaming about other things. You want them, but if they fall asleep in the early stages of sleep, and there's been studies on this, the person can still take on board positive suggestions. So I'll let them sleep for a little while and then start to bring them back in and, uh, and bring them, allow them to be more aware and more mindful and continue on that journey. Because what we're doing is we're connecting that conscious awareness to the unconscious mind, which is, that's what's below the surface. Okay, cool. So how is clinical hypnosis different than, you know, what you referenced as the stage hypnosis? Sure. So with stage hypnosis, a person's on a stage and they're there to entertain. They're there to do a show and they'll say, you're going to be the stars of the show here tonight. And when the music starts, if you (laughs) feel like you want to be the star of the show tonight, come up on stage and they'll get 10 or 20 or 30 people on stage. But what they do then is they run through a series of hypnotic tests to see who will go into tests tests like holding, imagine one hand, you're holding a heavy book and the other hand, a bright blue balloon and the balloon is getting lighter and lighter and the book is getting heavier and heavier. And so they're looking for the people who's, who are feeling the book going down their hand, who are feeling the balloon lifting their other hand. And if people are resisting and they're going, I can feel it's getting heavier, but I'm not moving my hands. They don't want them on stage. That would make for a pretty crappy stage show for people going, no, I'm not closing my eyes when you tell me to close my eyes. I'm not dancing like a chicken. I'm not going to sing like Elvis. If only we could all sing like Elvis. So with the clinical hypnotherapy, once we know what the person wants to achieve, once we know what their blocks are, what their fears are, what their negative thoughts are, we go about then creating a journey or a story. And that might involve a hot air balloon on a beach with all the colours of the rainbow and there's a basket beneath it and a heavy backpack that's weighing you down. You take it off and you pick up a rock and the rock has on it, I can't. And you throw that in the basket because now you know you can. You start to tell yourself, I can. I can. I really can. I can. With the clinical hypnotherapy, we're helping person get a person get from A to B and through or over the obstacles, the blocks, the old patterns that they keep repeating, uh, the negative thoughts that keep them stuck in the old story and the emotional backpack of life. And that is similar to meditation as well, because in meditation, when you're meditating on something, if you do a guided meditation, you know, you're still giving yourself those affirmations. And, and a lot of people do meditate on things to try and change their lives. Sure. Yeah. And exactly. And so, you know, having done maybe hundreds of different you know, types of meditations over the years, if there's that many, I don't know. I, I don't think I've done them all, but I've done a lot after 50 years of meditating and, and my library and the courses and the teachers I've trained under and the places I've traveled to and learned under different teachers. So th- there's so many different ways to visualize and not all of them will use affirmations, but in meditation, that's one great way to meditate on a positive thought. And, and I would dare say that that's actually become self-hypnosis. When you're meditating and you start to say, I can, I can, it's possible. During a meditation, you're self-hypnotizing because hypnosis is merely a state of relaxation with heightened suggestibility, increased awareness, and and transforming your thoughts. So that's where they, the two can start to, 
to um, melt together. Because think Interesting. about think about this: somebody walking around saying to themselves, "They've never done hypnosis. They've never learnt meditation. They're walking around mm-hmm. saying, you know, I can't stop eating chocolate. I can't stop eating chocolate. I can't stop eating chocolate.'" They're in the trance. They're hypnotizing themselves. I can't stop eating chocolate. Or someone else that's never done meditation or hypnosis or or any therapy at all were told growing up, you're not good enough. You're not, or a girl can't do that. They're in the I'm not good enough trance. And then that makes them feel less than. They feel their, their self-worth is low. And then what happens is the thought or the feeling attaches other thoughts and feelings to it, which then attaches other thoughts and feelings to it. And it becomes this heavy weight. So through the the meditation, we can start to feel calmer, more peaceful, more centered, use some affirmations Mm -hmm. and start to release that gently with hypnosis. We come in with a jackhammer and go, boom, boom, boom. You can, you are good Mm. enough. You are worthy. You're more than good enough. I am good enough. I'm more than good enough. And that's is where the hypnosis comes in a little bit. It's not like a jackhammer, but we, we hit a bit harder and faster and and with a, a real focus um, yeah. to make positive change so that people can walk out transformed. So with hypnosis, we help people learn from the past but let go of the past and transform or have a new perspective with the way we look at the old events from the past. Instead of replaying the, the sad or the painful or the negative part, we take a lesson from it. One of the things I like to do is to help a person take a negative emotion which has its own set of negative thoughts and attach a positive emotion with new thoughts to it. So rather than anger just being a stressful anger, it could become a calm anger or a centered anger or a determined anger. Uh, an example, I had a, a woman at a retreat who didn't let us know that she was an alcoholic. And on day two, the morning she woke up, she was crying and she was in a, a pretty bad state. And anyway, I, she said, it's 24 hours since I've had a drink. And I said, and how are you feeling? She said, oh, I feel horrible. I said, and she said, mm-hmm. I, I feel sad for no reason at all. And I said, could that sadness be a, a sadness of strength? I said, because it's 24 hours now and you know you've made a decision. And she said, I guess it could be strong. And I said, and how strong are you feeling now? When you start to feel strong, what do you start to think to yourself? Well, when I am strong, I tell myself I'm strong. And when you let that thought flow through your body, what else do you start to think? And she said, well, I, I've got this. I've got this. And I said, and can you do it? Yeah, I can do it. When you st- How does that make you start to feel? She said, empowered. I said, now, could you w- mm. remember a time when you felt really empowered, when you felt really strong? So I took her away from the moment, got her to remember, recall a time in the past when she felt empowered and strong, and then got her to bring that. And she stepped back into that event. And she just, a whole expression changed. People are standing nearby and they're just watching going, what's going on here? And then mm. I got her to bring back that, that empowered, strong feeling and attach it to the old sadness. Where's the sadness now? She said, no, I feel strong. I'm determined. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to this. I can do it. I want to do it. I need to do it. I'm doing it. I am doing it. I said, and continue to reinforce those positive feelings over and over again. That's pretty much how long it took in minutes. We interrupted the pattern. See, people get stuck in a a negative pattern that's almost like they're on a loop, almost like they're, they're time traveling into the past or, or they're bringing the past into the present and reliving that mm-hmm. feeling over and over and over again. And so, you know, that's right. the thing. We all experience tough things in life. We, we all have traumatic events. We all have times when we've been hurt or when we feel angry about something somebody said or did to us in our life or 
you know, and or we, we feel sad. You know, we all go through grieving. You know, we, we all experience these emotions in life. It's not the event that's the problem, as bad as it might seem. It's the replaying of the event and the thoughts, the story connected to the event over and over and over again, you know, with things like PTSD, where I've, I've had some amazing results. A lot of people with PTSD have a series of events that build up and turn into post-traumatic stress disorder, or they're in one event, a shooting or a, a robbery, or one thing can be said to them, or, or they see something happening, and then they end up with PTSD. So it's different for everybody, but what is happening, they're stuck in the old event. So we need to change that. And there's several ways I like to do it. One is to not to say, well, if that made you angry or that made you sad or gave you fear, not to try to deal with that event, because if we're stuck dealing with each single event, then it can take forever. It takes so many sessions. Whereas if we go back to the beginning of all anger, the beginning of all sadness, all fear, all hurt, all guilt, and disconnect that, we disconnect, we get a positive learning about anger, about sadness. Then we have a new perspective. We start to look at it in a different way. And then I like to say things like, you know, and now allow yourself to release all negative thoughts, pictures and feelings of all those significant events as you float high above them. You don't want to relive them. You don't want to go back and relive something horrible that happened 10 years ago or five years ago or 20 years ago when you were a little kid, because that's what you've been doing anyway. That's not going to help. We want to get you out of that and have a new perspective and then come back with a new story of it's okay, that was yesterday, I now release that, I'm focused in the present, into the future, I, you know, I am strong, I am strong, I am strong. And so that what I also like to do is then attach a state of calm to anger, so you could have a calm anger. And then what happens, it's almost like a virus, but a positive thought virus that runs through, and you know, like, you, like a computer virus, attacks a computer in the same way the, the positive thought can attack the old state. It just It's like a T cell going into a, a white cell going into a cancer cell and it injects something into it and the cancer cell shrivels up and dies. I've read studies that suggest that you know something like 80, 000, or 80% of human thoughts per day are negative and 90, up to 95% are the exact same thoughts that you had the day before. 100%. Uh, Behavioral psychologists decades ago estimated that we have somewhere between 50 to 60,000 up to 90,000 thoughts a day. And about a high percentage for people, especially if they've got sadness or depression or anxiety or they've got uh, holding on to negativity from their past, they're replaying a, a high percentage. I'm not sure of the exact percentage, it could be 70, 80, 90% of those thoughts are negative thoughts and they're thinking the same thought over and over and over again, mm -hmm. telling themselves the same story. And then because they tell themselves that, they think the thought and tell themselves that story, they refeel the feelings that they felt when it first happened and every other time that it happened and it continues to build up and become overwhelming. And that's why you know people end up with severe anxiety. I mean, with what we're going through in the world at the moment, it's understandable. People, a lot of people are living in fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress out there. And I would dare say, you know, when we come out the other side of this, and we will, we will, when we come out the other side of this, there's going to be a whole lot of people with a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, except for those going, I'm taking this time to, to heal myself. I'm taking this time out now to tune in, to, to let go of everything I've been dragging around, rather than focus on 
What are the stats today? How bad is it? Because, and I'm not saying ignore what's happening in the world and, and don't be aware, but at the same time, we need to disconnect, even if it's for an hour or two hours or three hours. And that's why every morning, the moment I wake up, I roll out of bed. I set the tone for the day uh, with floor stretches, with some yoga, basic, simple yoga exercise, with a breathing meditation. And then I do my Qigong. Then I do my Tai Chi. All up, depending on how much I'm doing, that'll take anywhere from an hour to two hours. So that's from 5 or 6 a.m. till 7 or 8. And that's my morning routine and ritual that sets the tone for the day. For some people, it might be, you know, for a long time, I did a lunchtime meditation. I just, when I was working, you know, many years ago in companies, I'd go and just meditate in the park at lunchtime. Now it's cool to do that. 40 years ago, people go, what are you doing? I'm meditating. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Um, you know, and so, or, or after work, a meditation straight after work or, or before meeting with the family or meeting a partner. Why? To disconnect all the past energy because everything's energy. Everything and everything you see, everything you hear, uh, everything you think is affecting you in one way or another, either positively or negatively. Right. If, if you're being absorbing all the negativity, that's the last thing you want to drag into the family dinner. With negative thoughts being so pervasive, it seems to me like meditation and hypnosis might be some of the only tools that I've even heard of to disrupt that, and yet they don't seem super common when you look at mainstream America. Yeah, and, and look, Australia is very similar to America, there it's becoming more popular over here, and I'm sure you know with the the advent of meditation apps and self hypnosis apps and yoga apps and you know and yoga you know streaming and and videos and all that sort of thing, more and more people are starting to do it. But probably the the, the percentage I don't know ninety percent of people would just go, I'm just stuck with it, can't change it. I mean, there's things like CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy, which can help. Uh, but it's it's more with CBT. You're more doing it consciously. So what what should I think instead? You know what can I think? Whereas with the the meditation, the hypnosis, we're sinking into that deep state. Uh, and look, there are more more and more psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors who are starting to incorporate uh, you know mindfulness, meditation, mm-hmm. yoga, right. yoga exercises. I mean, I was, I learned it through the hospital, but that was the 1960s. Meditation and yoga was big in the 1960s in Australia. Oh, they were doing it at the hospital. They were doing okay. a course at the hospital and the doctor suggested I do that to help control the asthma. And, and, you know, and that was 50 years ago. That's when you were a teenager. Well, that's when I was seven or eight years old. So oh, I seven st- or eight. Yeah. Okay. But then I continued to use that and luckily I grew out of the asthma at 12, still had bronchitis till I was about 16 or 17. And that's when I started mm-hmm. getting into all the other types of meditation, yoga breathing exercise. I, I really like the yoga breathing and the different yoga meditations, plus the Zen meditations and everything else. We'll be right back with more from The Yoga Show. So in 1990, you were diagnosed with lymphoma, is that right? Far out. Second stage, rapidly growing lymphoma. I had a a tumor about the size of a golf ball near the tail of the pancreas. It was uh, around three centimeters and it started to grow. And And how old were you? I was 28 then. Now, interestingly, just before that, a year or two before that, my younger brother had died in a motorcycle accident. So that was an incredibly emotional, traumatic event for me. We were very close. 
And so yeah. for a long time I was there going, I could just die. I wish I could die. You know, I, I, why not? Why him? Mm. Why not? Me? I went through all the usual things, the guilt, the, the sadness, the anger, yeah. the whole thing that we all go through when we grieve. And so I went through all that. And then uh, what basically happened was I immersed myself to try to forget, to try to not think about it in work. And one day I worked for 43 hours without a break. So I was working, and by, by 43 hours, I mean I worked for two days almost without, without stopping. And so I was working 18, working 20, 22, what? 24 hours a day. I was running off to teach jujitsu, getting punched in the head and kicked in the groin. <laughs> I was doing all these things. And so, you know, it was just nonstop. I was going at a million miles an hour. I was still doing my morning Tai Chi, but that wasn't enough. I was still doing my morning meditation ritually. I've, I've done it every day, but it wasn't enough to counter the amount of stress and emotionally what I was going through, I guess. And then I just found out I had cancer and look, it could have been other things. I'm not too sure, but that's what I sort of partly put it down to. And then it was like, I just met Linda, my wife, the beautiful Linda and fall madly in love. And we just got married and it was like, hang on, I don't want to die. I've changed my mind now. I remember the day I stood there going, I wish I was dead. Uh, and so I thought, hang on, I, I don't want to do that anymore. So I immersed myself in, they said, if you, one of the doctors said, if you don't have chemo and uh, don't have the radiotherapy, you'll be dead in six months. And I said, oh, look, I'm thinking of, you know, doing a juicing program and stepping up my Tai Chi and meditation and self-hypnosis and all that. He said, you'll be dead in six months. And I said, well, thanks for your vote of confidence. I'm on a plane to Mexico to do a juicing program, which I did, and, uh, and mm. started doing eight to ten hours of meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong a day. By now, the tumour was around four and a half centimetres. I've got all the scans showing all this stuff. Uh, started doing all of that, immersed myself. I became a full-time self-healer, as in self-healing, just me. There was no work, no nothing except mm -hmm. juicing and raw salads and, you know, beautiful soup recipes. And what would organic. you meditate on? I would meditate. Well, I would do my Tai Chi. I'd do my Qigong. I did yoga breathing. I listened to recordings of guided imagery of healing and visualization of light pouring through my body. I did my Taoist uh, meditations of the inner smile, visualizing light pouring from another being of light into my heart, into my all my organs, but then into the area where the tumor was. And then I do walking meditations, qigong, breathing in, in, out, healing now, healing now. I tell myself over and over again, cancer gone, cancer gone. And so the tumor shrank to 2.5 centimeters, just doing all natural therapies. I was getting ready to write the book, How I Cured Cancer, with... Uh, meditation and juicing. And so I, I actually started writing the book, but then I went back to work, back to teaching jujitsu, running workshops of, with 300 people, getting thrown around, not eating bad, bad, but neglecting the diet and no longer doing the 10 hours of meditation a day, just my normal half hour in the morning. And then I woke up mm. one morning within a couple of months and I went, gee, my back's hurting. I must have pulled it doing jujitsu yesterday, which I'd never done, almost never. And I went, that's weird. And then I could start to feel the pain in the front of the abdomen the next day it got worse. I went in for a scan. The tumor had grown to roughly two and a half by three inches, about five by seven centimeters. And I went, holy wow. cow. So I went back in. The professor said three months. And he was pretty cool. He was following the progress with the juicing. The, you know, I was having 12, 13 juices a day. Sometimes I was having 20 juices a day. So I figured what had happened was my body was so healthy my because he said your immune system all the way was so strong until just recently. And I think the 10 hours, 8 to 10 hours of meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, self-hypnosis a day combined with all that juicing and, and no stress, 
I wasn't working. I wasn't doing anything. I was I, I was fortunate to be able to take that time out to heal. Uh, it just Sorry. kept my immune system so strong, and the cancer couldn't grow. So, but once I neglected that, boom. So the cancer, I hadn't beaten the cancer. It was lying there dormant. And so anyway, back on the juices, back on the meditation, back on you know everything else. And within mm-hmm. another couple of weeks, the tumor was now around ten by was ten by six or seven centimeters. So it was like now it was three by four inches. And so it was huge. It was like a big mango, yeah, a big mango growing. near the tail of the yeah. pancreas. The pain was unbearable. So I decided in that moment, I've got to have the chemo because the professor said 50-50 chance the chemo will knock this on its head and keep doing your meditation. So I went in, did the chemo. Uh, that's a whole other story, but uh, kept doing the juices, kept doing the meditation. And ju- between the chemo rounds, yeah, they have to test your white cell count, your blood and everything. And he said, I've never seen an immune system bounce back so quickly after this cocktail of four chemotherapy drugs. He said, so you keep, oh, yeah. doing, you keep doing your meditation, you keep doing your juice. So anyway, I continued on with that and that's 30 years later and I'm still doing my juices every day and not 12 or 13. What kind but, of juices? Well, I, I usually do a green juice. So I'll have maybe half a green apple with everything from endive, lettuce, red cabbage, green capsicum parsley maybe a squeeze of lemon uh my favorite is straight carrot i love a straight carrot juice or carrot and beetroot or even carrot beetroot and a tiny bit of apple so i'll have at least one oj a day orange juice because i don't want to get scurvy i'm not going to get scurvy no matter what so i have my or i actually have my orange juice i'll have two vitamin c chewable tablets and i have liposymal vitamin c which is the liquid it's a really potent one so yeah so i you know there's um yeah i just don't want scurvy just if it's coming back, I don't want to get it because <laughs> you know scurvy's from the pirates. I don't think scurvy's making a comeback, but that's my little joke anyway. So yeah, so basically now, thirty years on, uh, I'm still you know it's a daily ritual of healthy living and and daily meditation and helping other people, sharing you know some of my experience to to help others overcome their challenges of life and mm-hmm. and uh, and to let go of the past, to let go of the past to be more present and to move into a, you know, a future that you create, not that someone else is designed for you, not thoughts to go into a future of the thoughts that you want to uh, do. And that's another thing we're just about to do on the Mind Free app. It'll be ready in the next few weeks, a thought exchange program where we've worked out how to once again change negative thoughts that might have been stuck in your head for years to change it in minutes. So, and we've, I've done that a thousand times individually, so I know it works uh, a thousand times out of a thousand. And again, that could be something people can reinforce uh, with their positive mindset, you know, with their everyday life of, I can, I can, it's possible. I'm doing it out of my way. Here I come. Yeah. The power, the power of the mind is it's so fascinating. And I think that science shows time and time again, how powerful it is. I also wanted to ask you, to d- today you are working with kids with cancer, is that right? We have Canteen, which is the Australian Teenage Cancer Society, come to the retreat. So we sponsor them a couple of times a year. So we have groups of, like recently we had the Good Grief Weekend where all the kids came in and lost a sibling. Some of them had cancer. They'd lost a sibling or a parent to cancer. And we spend you know a couple of days. They stay for two nights. They come in on the Friday and go home on the Sunday afternoon and we do juicing with them and meditation and workshops and 
teach them some self-hypnosis techniques and things like that. And then they do their own games and their own workshops. So they're, they're all like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds. And, uh, yeah. And so, and then sometimes it's just a group of kids with the cancer. Some of them come in with the, you know, the no hair and, and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, we, we love working with those kids and teaching and they're so open and they're so, what I say that they're just so loving. They're so, they've grown mm. up, they've had to grow up at like nine or 10 yeah. or 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 years old. And like, you know, the 13 year old girl saying, oh, and I've got two younger brothers. We lost mum to, to breast cancer, you know, last year. And, and, you know, we thought she'd beat it, but it came back the third time and, and, you know, now, and dad's working hard. So I, you know, I'm playing mum to my two little brothers and, and, um, and, you know, and it sort of, you know, brings tears to your eyes. These kids are just so amazing. Mm -hmm. They're so strong and they're so positive. And, and some of them, you know, especially when some of the kids come in with cancer, you know, you're, you're not going to see them again. Then they won't be coming back another time because, you know, they tell you I'm on the third round. It's not looking good, but I just love canteen because we, you know, we have bandana day and we sell bandanas and we raise money for kids with cancer and, you know, and, and their families and so on. And so, yeah, so we do our little bit there to, to help out where we can. And so what are you doing with them, um, meditation and self-hypnosis? Yeah, and, we'll, we'll, and we'll get up in the morning and we'll do, we'll start with some Tai Chi, then after and a little bit of Qigong, which is like an easier Tai Chi, just gentle movements and breathing. And then we'll sit down and we'll do a meditation. So we might do a moving meditation, even sitting down. And then we'll go into from there, just a sitting and being mindful of your breathing, mindful of the sounds, aware of the sounds around you. Um, just feeling what you're feeling, allowing your body to relax. And so we, we'll just run through some simple, nice basic meditations for them of just awareness and, and being present. And then uh, depending on what the group want to do, we might do a healing a healing guided imagery visualization or self-hypnosis. And, and one of them, we did it one of the weekends. Uh, we finished the session and everybody with Canteen, they, they like to share their story and they don't clap at the end when someone shares their story. They cross their arms and their two fingers are ready to go. They do the little click of the fingers. That's how they clap. They, mm. It's really cool. It's really cute. So, But the kids share their story and one of the young girls, uh, she was about 15 years old, she said, oh, it's amazing. When we visualised we were – floating in that pool of water and then a star floated down and it became a ball of light above us and then all the light flowed through that ball of light, you know, and a beam flowed into the area where I've got my pain, where my cancer is next to my spine. She said, my back cracked. I said, what do you mean cracked? She said, like a chiropractor, like an osteopath, it cracked. And she said, and the pain's gone. And I was hmm. just like, wow, how cool. Thanks for sharing that. And everyone goes does their little click of the fingers clap. And, mm. <laughs> and so hypnosis actually works really, really well with, with chronic pain. I've seen it again and again and again. And it was actually used uh, during World War I, World War II and the Korean War by doctors to help with, and UK doctors used it uh, as a technique called glove anesthesia, where when they ran out of chemical anesthetic on the battlefield and they had to do a surgery, they would hypnotize the person to go into a trance to not feel the pain. And doctors, especially in the US, used it with PTSD with soldiers and things like that. So they would help them with hip clinical hypnosis, uh, you know, for the past hundred years or more. But it, so it sort of drifted away. It sort of got lost. And, but there are some hospitals. Why do you think that is? 
I'm not sure. It's just things come and go. Maybe it was the TV and stage show hypnotists ruined it for us all. They came in like, dance like a chicken, sing like elves. And, oh, that's what hypnosis is, right? <laughs> How funny. Oh, you're a hypnotherapist. So, so what are you going to do to me? Are you going to control my mind? I, no, no, no. You're already controlling your own mind. You're already stuck in some sort of trance. I'm actually going to wake you up from the trance you're in. I'm going to unhypnotize you because you're already hypnotized. And so, but there, I am aware of a number of hospitals uh, mainly in the US and some in the UK, that their emergency teams are trained in some hypnotic techniques. They're being trained in meditation techniques to help people when they come in in emergencies and things like that to, to help them calm down and, and breathe and be focused. So more of that, the better. If every hospital, if every nurse and every health worker and every doctor was trained in meditation and hypnosis techniques, uh, if every counsellor, every psychologist, every psychiatrist was trained in meditation, hypnosis techniques, uh, it'd be a different world. So what is the difference between self-hypnosis and meditation? So meditation is basically where you're sitting mindfully, aware of your breathing, or you could be meditating on a candle flame. You could be meditating on a mantra or the sounds around you. You could be doing Tai Chi, which is a moving meditation, or yoga, which I consider a moving meditation. Or you could be breathing, doing in one nostril, out the other, focused on your breath. You could be using prayer, which is a form of meditation. You could be mindfully doing the dishes, painting a fence, washing the car, wax on, wax off. There are so many different ways we can meditate from a hypnotherapist and from having done meditation for 50 years and hypnotherapy now for just over 30 years, the real difference with hypnotherapy, while there are similarities, it's about focusing on a specific challenge and then using positive suggestions. So it's hypnosis is a state of relaxation, as is meditation. And rather than just letting the mind calm down, we're getting the mind to calm down with a purpose of visualizing a successful outcome, changing the way we think or feel about something specifically for that session. So I'll have sessions on uh, letting go of a past relationship, releasing depression, overcoming anxiety. Uh, you know, so, there are, so hypnosis is more targeted, even though some of the techniques will seem similar. You get relaxed, you're breathing, you're mindful. But with hypnosis, we often use a countdown technique. So we might count down from 100 slowly backwards or, or from 10 slowly backwards. And in between each number, we might give positive suggestions like completely relax your body, letting go, letting go, down from seven. All tension drifts away, like steam drifting from the top of a teapot. Then we'll use uh, visualization techniques, metaphors and positive suggestions to help people change the thoughts that are keeping them stuck, to visualize their body healing. So we might visualize light pouring into a specific part of the body. We might visualize ourselves out in the future, overcoming a challenge, like giving a speech or performing better at a sport or reacting differently in a relationship with your family, your partner, your children. Uh, you might take a moment to hypnotize or self use self-hypnosis because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Even if you're listening to someone, if I say to you, you are strong, you really are strong. It only works when you say, I am strong. Or if I say, you're a survivor, mm. you've survived so many things. I am a survivor. 
I am strong. That's self-hypnosis. You start to tell yourself a positive story, a positive suggestion. You start to visualize a positive outcome. You, you might visualize releasing baggage from the past. And, and there's so many ways, different ways we do that. So, But I do like to combine the two because the meditation allows us to be present, to be in the here and now, and to feel calm and relaxed. And then I find a person's more receptive to the hypnotic suggestions if they're in a more meditative, relaxed state. Well, thank you so much. Where can um, our listeners find more from you? Mindfreeapp.com is the best place. And they can put in mindfree as one word and app as a second word on, the, on their phone in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. But if they go to the website, mindfreeapp.com, uh, they can check out more information. and But yeah, so mindfreeapp.com uh, is the best place to, to check out what we're doing. Perfect. Thank you. I'm definitely going to be checking out the three-minute habit buster and see how that goes. It will be a beauty. And also, I look forward <laughs> to chatting to you on next week's episode when we get our series going. <laughs> Thanks for listening and thanks again to Mark for joining us on the podcast. Don't forget to check out the bonus episode in which Mark teaches a hypnosis for getting over past traumas available right now. And tune in two weeks from now for a new episode of The Yoga Show. In the meantime, you can follow me at lins.tucker on Instagram for more from Yoga Journal and beyond. The Yoga Show is produced by me and Aviv Rubenstein. Follow him on social media at Rambo Calrissian. Theme music by Katie Canavan. More from her at Accordion to Katie on Instagram. Until next time for The Yoga Show, I'm Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you on the mat. For accessible 5-30 to 30 minute meditation, pranayama, yoga nidra, and mantra practices from some of the world's leading teachers, tune into Yoga Journal's The Practice at yogajournal.com slash podcasts. If you're looking for ways to decompress while discovering fresh perspectives on yoga and wellness, tune into our sister podcast, Why Now?, Hosts Monica and Cameron talk to yogis from around the country on the intersections of self-care, social justice, relationships, and more. Find it at yogajournal.com slash podcasts.